the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Probably join me in concluding that um, advancements in certain arenas, uh, technology, for example, or medical science, are advancements that take place over time. They tend to evolve. They go through stages of, of progress, sometimes regress, as you know, the, the, the understanding moves forward. Um, so at the end of the day, it's really more about a process than a singular event. I mean, for example, there was a time in, quote-unquote, modern medicine, way back in the day when uh, the treatment for certain maladies was bloodletting. Now, today, we look at that and say, well, that, that's, that's totally ridiculous. But at the time, based on the information at hand, it seemed logical. The battle over this issue in relationship to process versus event when it comes to medicine, of course, has been very much highlighted in our um, post-COVID world here today. And um, if you wonder if there are any outside victims of, of this debate, uh, well, just witness fa- the fact that our own state is now considering a new piece of legislation. I referred to this earlier in the hour, AB 2098, that is called essentially um, a, a bill that would deal with physicians and surgeons' unprofessional Conduct, And let me just read one line to you before we meet our guest tonight. The bill says, and I quote, Existing law provides for the licensure and regulation of physicians and surgeons by the Medical Board of the State of California. Existing law requires the applicable board to take action against any licensed physician and surgeon who is charged with unprofessional conduct as provided. Now, you would think... What constitutes unprofessional conduct? I don't know. Maybe a doctor taking advantage of the patient. Maybe a surgeon leaving forceps and a, you know, <laughs> a couple of sponges behind as they've sewn the patient up. You know, things that would be seemingly obvious. This bill, however, would designate, and I'm quoting again, the dissemination or promotion of misinformation or disinformation related to the SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus as unprofessional conduct. The bill would require the board to consider specified factors to bringing a disciplinary action against the physician and surgeon that could mean up to and including loss of their license. This seems to suggest that the state of California, at least members of the California state legislature, don't see advancements in medical science as a process, but rather a singular event. And if you're not on board in that moment in time, you run the risk of losing your license. Wow, really? Well, with more on this, we're joined by best-selling author, CPA, attorney, and syndicated talk show host Bob Zadek. He hosts the longest-running libertarian talk show in America today, The Bob Zadek Show, heard here in the San Francisco Bay Area Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. on our sister station, 860 a.m., The Answer. Bob, as always, a privilege to have you join us. I'm, I'm, I'm really dumbfounded by the language in this proposed bill, AB 2098, because it seems to suggest that if you don't get along with whatever the prevailing mentality is on a given topic at a given moment in the arena of medicine, you run the risk of losing your license. So I suppose for a physician who 500 years ago might have questioned the practice of bloodletting, which today we would look at as being, you know, extremely (laughs) out of touch, that if you had raised or questioned the use of bloodletting back in the day, and you were here in California, you would run the risk of losing your license. Seriously? 
Not only that, Greg, but I'll ask our listeners the following very straightforward question because you teed up the issue personally. Here is my straightforward, albeit rhetorical question to our listeners. Let's assume you are you've you've tried to keep yourself informed and given whatever particularities apply to your medical condition because each one of us is individual whatever combination of uh, comorbidity um, problems you have your age your general health your family life um, you are an individual and you are trying to figure out what should be your behavior vis-a-vis -vis vaccination, vis-a-vis -vis going out, vis-a-vis -vis wearing a mask. Now, I'll ask everybody out there, collectively, you want the best information possible. Whom would you trust to give you the answer? Would you trust Assembly Member Lowe? I don't think Assemblymember Lowe is a doctor or really cares very much about you. Or would you trust Assemblymember Aguar Curry or Akilah Weber or maybe Assemblymember Wicks or perhaps Senator Pan or Senator Weaver? Weiner, he's on every bill. No, you would go to a doctor that you have selected using your own rational brain as this is a physician whom I trust. I w will have to make in my life important decisions, perhaps even life and death decisions for myself, for my young children, for family members. We cannot make these decisions in a vacuum. You have to get advice. Well, will you call the local office of Assembly Member Lowe, or will you ask your physician? The answer is, of course, you will ask your physician. And you have said to yourself, you have said to the world, I am an adult. I am permitted to make decisions about my life. I am responsible for the quality of those decisions. I have done the research necessary to select Dr. So-and-so as my advisor. And it is that doctor whom I trust. But now, your doctor looks at your condition and concludes, because of the specifics of your medical profile, it is best that you do something. And the something varies from, to quote the statute, uh, the con contemporary scientific consensus. That's the words of the statute. Your doctor who knows what's best for you is forbidden from telling you what the doctor using the best skills that doctor has, that doctor is forbidden from giving you the advice and is required to give you the advice handed down by the contemporary scientific consensus whatever the hell that means. So therefore, why bother picking a doctor at all? Just call the consensus hotline and ask the consensus. Can I speak to some member of the consensus? I need personal medical advice. That's what this bill does. It interjects um, elected officials. It interjects politicians. It, right in between you and the doctor. It is as if somebody from the political establishment is sitting in that sacred room with you and your doctor and is monitoring what the doctor is telling you and the doctor better adhere to the contemporary scientific consensus or else the doctor is at risk of losing their license. That's what this bill does. And it's not the first time we may have time to discuss other examples in current life in America where the political establishment is interjecting itself 
in the most sacred relationship between doctor and patient. How soon before the medical establishment, the political establishment tells what your spiritual advisor can tell you and not tell you? And what about your lawyer? What your lawyer can tell you? Um, and all, before you know it, these physicians are nothing other than, and these lawyers and these priests and rabbis uh, are nothing other than dispensing information given to them on three by five cards by the political establishment. It just, Craig, doesn't get any worse than this. Is nothing sacred? Can we not pick the doctor who we want to rely upon and we want that doctor to give us the very best advice that that doctor thinks is appropriate not what he's told to tell us what he thinks is appropriate or else why bother picking a doctor at all well and as you aptly point out i mean i you know the old adage if if i if i need legal advice i go and see a doctor i i don't go run down to the local gas station and ask the guy who's working as the clerk there collecting money when you buy your gasoline what his opinion is now it might be somebody that i know whose opinion i value but at the end of the day it seems to suggest that the wisdom, the greater wisdom, is in seeking out a professional with experience in that specific arena or discipline. And yet what's being suggested by this bill is that politicians know better. Well, you and I, of course, know better than that. We know that oftentimes they get it more wrong than they do right. You want to look at an example, a, a current day example of just how wrong they can get it? Look at what's going on with China's response to the current uptick in COVID cases there. You talk about heavy-handed draconian measures where they're completely not only shutting down cities, uh, they've had cases where They've even kicked people out of their homes. This is just in the news in the last couple of days. Kicking people out of their homes in order to essentially confiscate their property to use it to lock down additional people for COVID. Now, does that make any sense to you? It makes none to me whatsoever. And yet, as we're learning, uh, forcibly locking people, 25 million, in their homes, separating children from parents, killing family pets because they're concerned that animals may be passing along COVID, and then along with all of that, um, denying people access to food, proper medical care, all of this having zero impact on slowing the spread of COVID in China. And so like any good government, when they discover something that doesn't work, all you need to do is do a lot more of it. Because somehow, doing it 10 times over, 100 times over, they think, will reverse the tide. We're talking today about a very dangerous proposal, Assembly Bill 2098, that essentially says if your doctor gives you his medical opinion on a medical issue that doesn't match the prevailing winds of what seems to be kind of the, 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 the popular political take on a specific medical issue, that your physician runs the risk of being charged with unprofessional conduct for which they can be disciplined up to and including losing their medical license. Now, we're not talking here about snake oil salesmen, though this bill might suggest that the, what, that's what it's trying to address. It essentially puts every physician in the state of California at huge risk. I mean, why would anybody want to come to the state and practice medicine with a bill like this hanging over their heads? Bob Zadek is with us tonight, best-selling author, CPA, attorney, talk show host. He hosts The Bob Zadek Show, heard Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. here in the San Francisco Bay Area at 8.60 a.m. The Answer. You can get more information about Bob, upcoming guests, past shows, podcasts, etc. online at bobzadek.com. That's B-O-B-Z-A-D-E-K.com. When we come back, let's dig along a little bit deeper as to what is driving, what is behind the motivation 
to put a bill like this before the California state legislature. We'll get to that part of the story as our conversation with Bob Zadek continues. Think your homeowner's insurance covers home title fraud? Think again. Dad, why do your toenails look like that? Hey, it's James. And if you're like me and suffer from toenail fungus, please pay close attention. Let's face it, toe fungus is embarrassing. I was afraid to take my socks off and hid my ugly toes from everybody. But nail fungus isn't just a cosmetic problem. It can also be dangerous. Even a small spot can spread and get worse. But no matter what I tried, it seemed like my fungus would never go away. Then I discovered Crystal Flush, the new and different FDA-registered at-home treatment. This unique two-step system flushes out fungus at its source and reverses damaged nails. Finally, me and thousands of others are free from fungus, and you can be too. Call now, and for a limited time, you can try Crystal Flush risk-free for 30 days. Call 800-354-1862. That's 800-354-1862. Eliminate your toe fungus once and for all, guaranteed. Call now, 800-354-1862, or visit crystalflush.com. Fight the good fight. Round two. The Apostle Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6 verse 12 to fight the good fight of the faith. But as we all need to do, we need to practice what we preach. And thankfully, the Apostle Paul did. He was a fighter. The Apostle Paul also instructed us to use God's Spirit in 2 Corinthians 10.5 in order to take every thought captive to Christ. Every thought. And of course, we need to always do so immediately. We must fight the thoughts as they come into our heads. And with God's Holy Spirit, immediately knock them out that shouldn't be there. And as we fight this good fight of the faith, we will eventually be able to say, as the Apostle Paul did in 2 Timothy 4.7, I have fought the good fight. This has been a message from your friends fighting the good fight at the Watsonville Christian Church. This is Carol Platt-Lebow for townhall.com. In the wake of Disney's noisy opposition to Florida's parental rights bill, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis just signed a law dissolving the corporation's private government control of Disney World, proving you can't please all the people all the time. Even some conservatives have criticized DeSantis. They've argued he's illegitimately retaliating against Disney for its exercise of corporate free speech rights. Nonsense. In passing the Bill of Rights, the Founding Fathers didn't just intend to protect us from government. They intended to protect us from tyranny, which includes the modern-day tyranny of woke corporations. The left's using Disney as it once used the courts to do an end-run around representative democracy. Kudos to Governor DeSantis for defending his people's right to self-rule. Ron DeSantis looks like that rarest of politicians, a person of principle and courage, willing to stand against big corporations and the woke mob in defense of our children. Publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu Romans 10 reminds us, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. Experience the uncompromising teaching and preaching of God's Word on The Bible Stands. Each Sunday at 7 p.m., Pastor Greg Tomlinson of Bethel Baptist Church of Morgan Hill opens the Word and answers your questions about the Christian faith and provides solid apologetics for today's Christian living. The Bible Stands with Pastor Greg Tomlinson, Sundays at 7 p.m. here on AM 1100 KFAX. Our Church of the Week, Harbor Light Church of Fremont, with Pastor Terry Inman, a community of diverse cultures and generations where one can experience spiritual growth and discover God's design for their life. Harbor Light Church seeks to rescue, recover, rebuild, and release, sending those as guiding lights to families, neighbors, and workplaces, sharing the gospel and love of Jesus to all cultures, locally and globally. Pastor Terry Inman and Harbor Light Church of Fremont, our Church of the Week. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We're back. Our conversation today with best-selling author and syndicated talk show host Bob Zadek. We're unpacking not only some of the details related to Assembly Bill 2098, but, but perhaps the deeper risk here. Uh, and that is the fact that, and Bob hinted at this before the break, that we are facing the possibility that if this passes and is instituted into law in California, what next will be in the crosshairs 
of the California state legislature that they deem to not be politically correct. And at the end of the day, I think it's important to be mindful that so much of this debate surrounding COVID-19 is political in nature. And maybe therein, Bob, lies the problem. I suppose if it were purely a political problem in search of a political answer, that might be one thing. But it's a political problem that has very significant um, potential medical risks here. Were the state able to get a bill like this put into place? And as you referred to um, just before the break, the potentiality for this then to become a model for other ways in which a, kill, a chilling effect on uh, free speech can be exercised, it, 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 it really, it, <laughs> I'm at the loss of words here, it, it, it's, it's, it is astonishing to even think that they would consider something like this Given the fact that, as I said in my introductory remarks, it really is, 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 is the denier of science and somehow suggests that all of this happens by, uh, you know, fiat or, or by magic event as opposed to process. Look, Greg, you're exactly, before the break, uh, you posed a really important question. You asked um, right before the break. What is the motivation behind this? What is this all about? And what this is about is government has lost, totally lost, the trust and faith of the governed. Nobody believes them anymore. And therefore, when uh, Rochelle Walensky or when uh, Satan incarnate, Dr. Fauci, um, makes a, in effect, a ruling, although unelected, makes a ruling about masks or about stay at home and do not go to work. We are told that is the ruling and therefore we are bound by it. Well, normal, rational thinking people would say, okay, that's a point of view. I don't really know enough about medicine or about law all about or about science or about anything else. So I'm going to go to the people that I have selected through my operation of my rational brain that I have selected as my circle of trusted advisors. It's a lawyer. It's a friend. It's somebody you read who publishes a blog, but you have selected that person like you have selected a spouse and a dear friend. You have decided this relationship makes sense to you. Well, you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to pick those people who you trust and those people who you don't trust. And you seek out the people who you have selected as the people you trust, not people who somebody else put into office, but people you have selected. And you say, give me the real inside scoop. Give me the truth. I trust you. Well, now we have Fauci or Walensky or all of these political types. And let's remember, people in government are no smarter, no more honest, no less honest, and no less smart, but certainly no more smart and no more honest than people in any other walk of life. They have just decided to make a career decision that they prefer government work versus private sector work, for whatever reason, and I don't question that. But certainly, because they've made that, uh, that choice about their occupation, doesn't mean they're per se smarter. They just applied for a job with government and got picked. That's all it means. They're average people like everybody else. The more people are average than aren't average, right? Of course that's right. So therefore, why should we especially believe the average people in government more than the average people who are not in government? Well, we shouldn't. They just took a different occupation. So I decide to trust my doctor. But now this bill is saying, no, if your doctor disagrees with the average government employee, that doctor must bite her tongue and cannot voice that disagreement to you, the patient. You're not allowed to know what the person you selected thinks. 
how can you and I, Craig, be denied, be denied the workings of the brain of our physicians? We are denied it. We are just telling a doctor, tell me what you think. I trust you. That question and that answer is now been criminalized if this bill becomes law. That's how sacred the relationship um, that is being destroyed. We cannot pick those people who we trust anymore. We are told you only can trust the government, the average people who work for government versus the people you select from your private life. It's that serious. Everybody listening to this show should, at the end of your show, tell their elected official, do not support Assembly Bill 2098. Stay out of my doctor's office. You're not invited. And, you know, what's problematic about this is if we were talking about people that were intentionally promoting misinformation going against established science, the operative word there is established, uh, with the intent to cause harm, then we might say, well, you know, there, there's there's laws on the books already in the malpractice arena that would allow you some some means of, of, of restitution or at least being able to, uh, uh, you know, to, to challenge your physician and and essentially, you know, bring them to answer uh, for decisions that they have made or uh, practices and procedures that they have engaged with that directly affect you and your health and your well-being. But this doesn't do that. And I guess that's the troubling thing here is it, it almost suggests that if a doctor voices an opinion during a period of time, and COVID is certainly uh, one of these, where there is not established science, that it is in flux because we're kind of figuring this out as we're going along. And so if your doctor happens to voice an opinion that runs against, and in this case, it's not mainstream, it's just whatever the government decides in the moment is the answer, they run the risk of losing their license and their livelihood. I mean, I, I, I'm just still very astonished at this proposal, Bob, and I have to wonder, is this the opening salvo to something more? Should this actually clear the, the, the legislature, be signed by the governor? I'm sure it would be challenged in courts, but I, it just it, it makes you wonder what next. Well, and let's remember, now, your audience may pick up in my voice, and it's not very subtle, my concern about government. Well, it's not government per se. Everything in my life falls apart without a government. So there's no government is neutral. There's no animus in my mind towards government. But what makes this conversation important is that a doctor will only earn your trust by earning your trust, by you doing research, getting references, drawing your own conclusion. The doctor cannot compel you to trust her. You, they have to earn that, just like businesses cannot compel you to buy their product. They have to earn your patronage. Government is different. When government does something or tells you to listen to them, they are the only organization in the country that is permitted to use up to deadly force to make sure you do what they say. Your doctor can't, your lawyer can't, your spouse can't. They have to persuade you. They have to earn your loyalty. Government doesn't have to earn your loyalty. If you're not loyal, you go to prison. If So here, these, these legislators are not content only to make the case, to say, here's what we think about COVID, and here are the reasons, and earn your trust they are not concerned about earning your trust. They'd rather just enforce their trust, your trust in them, with a gun and a jail cell. When somebody has to enforce loyalty or else you go to jail, you know what they're selling you're not going to be buying. And again, to the core of this bill, it directs the state, the state licensing board, 
to impose disciplinary penalties, which could, as I mentioned before, result in the loss of a medical license on physicians who disseminate misinformation. But (laughs) the issue here is what constitutes misinformation? Now, we know there were periods of time that ivermectin was being promoted, hydroxychloroquine was being promoted. And, and, you know, unjustifiably so, perhaps, in that the proper studies and research had not yet been conductive, and so a lot of it was being done on conjecture rather than scientific evidence. But to suggest that a physician who took that position that saw something hopeful in ivermectin, for example, and suggested that people try it, to now run the risk of losing his or her medical license for the promotion of misinformation when it was still very much in the we're not sure, but it might be stages, really suggests, as Bob Zadek is pointing to, that the government wishes to be all-knowing, all-powerful, and use the ability that it has, as he mentioned before, to do everything up to and including take away your freedoms— in order to exercise its position, which then makes you really wonder, is this government imposing its will upon us? And what about our individual rights? We'll talk more. Bob Zadek, our guest. By the way, you can get more information about Bob's program by going to his website. There you'll find an abundance of resources. He's got copies of his books, podcasts of recent interviews, and other details as well related to his weekly show, The Bob Zadek Show, heard Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. on our sister station, 860 a.m., The Answer. Check him out online at bobzadek.com, B-O-B-Z-A-D-E-K.com. A timeout back with more as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. You know, the irony is that there are regulations in place, uh, largely, for example, under the, uh, the watchful eye of the FDA, that if misleading information or false claims are made about medical treatments, that the person that's disseminating that information, usually for personal profit, will have to um, face, face the music, as they say. So if that be the case, why does the California legislature think that punishing physicians is now suddenly in order? And as we're discussing today with my guest Bob Zadek, uh, there seems to be more there there than what they are admitting to. So what about that angle? If there are already regulations and laws in place uh, that that prohibit this, why does California think we need to take an extra step and, most importantly, focused on physicians? Because a physician obviously needs a license to earn a living, obviously. And it is both, the legislature understands that the stakes become so high for a physician, loss of license, that all you have to do is pass the legislation and let it sit there. And no physician who is operating in their self-interest would ever come close to crossing the line. Therefore, now you are a physician, and you are really good at what you do, and you know the consensus is dead wrong, and you know that they're, they're making a mistake. A patient comes in to you, and ask you for advice. They are entitled to the very best your brain can produce. That's what they want from you. And you say to yourself, you know, the best advice I can give this patient is don't get vaccinated under the particular circumstances of this patient. But if I do what my oath requires me to do, give this patient the best advice for this patient's health, And if word gets out, or the patient is a mole, or the patient is angry at me, or doesn't want to pay the bill, and the patient reports me, or is taping the conversation, I can lose my license. It's not worth it. So I will just give this patient the information the government wants me to give, 
because they're holding a gun to my head. So all they have to do is pass the legislation and send out the message, hey, physician, we're watching you. That's all they have to do. And they have co-opted the brain and the tongue of every physician in California. They don't have to do anything more. And therefore, they just send out they send out the information, dear physician, you want to keep your license? Here's what you must tell the patient. You must tell the patient Dr. Fauci is a step away from God. And so is Dr. Walensky. And what they say stands, do not contradict them. Do not because you'll lose your license. And they're done. And these politicians have accomplished exactly what they want. They have, in effect, forced the entire medical establishment to be nothing other than hired mouthpieces for the government, not telling patients what the doctor thinks, but telling patients what the government thinks. And we are misled because we're not getting the best advice. The doctor is compromising the standards and the oath that he took and government wins yet again. You know, in the worst case scenario here, Bob, I I can see a a situation where a doctor living under the fear of reprisals might say, well, we've done some research and I would like to publish a paper in, say, uh, the New England Journal of Medicine um, that, that shares what we have uncovered, even though it may run contrarian to current day practice related to a particular medication or a particular illness or disease. And instead, they look at this and say, well, if I publish that paper... Could that be used against me if I'm a practicing physician in California? And let's say that there is somebody that for some reason doesn't like me or a competitor who decides, you know what, I'd like to put this guy out of business. He's got a much bigger practice than I do, and I just think he's making too much money. I mean, the the potential implications, the snowballing effect of all of this really is potentially frightening. And then... You and I, who are not doctors, we have to sit at our homes and ask ourselves, how in the world do we get information that we can trust? We've run out of options. And it's interesting, Craig, you said something that I was going to remind our audience, but you beat me to it. You you pointed out publishing a paper in a journal or even in a, uh, in a newspaper in a blog. And you're exactly right, because the bill says it's unprofessional conduct for a physician to disseminate misinformation. It doesn't say to a patient. This would make it a crime for a physician to do so at dinner with their friends. If they hold a license and they disseminate this information, or so their dinner guests think, They've run afoul. They don't have to be saying it to a patient. They can say it to anybody on the planet as this bill is written. I don't know if it's overbroad intentionally or overbroad because these geniuses don't know how to write legislation. I have no idea. I do know that's what it says, and you're right to highlight it. And just the very notion that this is seemingly intentionally vague enough that it could almost be used, it could, it could, be, it could weaponize the medical practice in in such a fashion that can you imagine uh, future generations looking at this saying, "Well, I'd love to be a doctor, but I can't be one in California." It's pretty frightening. You need to be in contact with your member of the California State Legislature and encourage he or she to vote against Assembly Bill 2098. That's Assembly Bill 2098, and uh, undoubtedly we'll be talking more about this in the future. Meanwhile, you want to know more? Great place to get a good education and get a chance to listen to um, the um, newsmakers and opinion shapers every Sunday morning at 8 o'clock on the Bob Zadek Show. You've tried other talking head shows, and you think, oh, this is boring. You'll find Bob's program engaging, captivating, educational, 
and provides you the kind of information you can actually do something with. The Bob Zadek Show, Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. on 860 a.m. The Answer. Check him out online at bobzadek.com. That's B-O-B-Z-A-D-E-K dot com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. The reality of our own mortality. Let me kind of go through life day to day and uh, we don't give much thought to that if you're towards the the end of your years, you're in your 60s, your 70s, your 80s, you probably think about such matters more because one day you suddenly realize, gosh, I'm, you know, closer to playing things out than I am from the beginning of my life. And so what does all of this mean? And certainly when we confront our own mortality from a Christian perspective, we understand that Christ gave us victory over sin and the grave. Paul talked about the notion of being absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. In Christ, we place our hope, not only in terms of our salvation, but uh, resting assured that when our time comes, right, man uh, lives once and then dies, and then the judgment, that um, we're in his keeping. And yet, in spite of all of this book knowledge that many believers have, we still tend to fear it. Why is that? How do we become free from the fear of death? If only somebody would write, oh, wait, they did. Ray Comfort joins us, best-selling author of more than 100 titles, including the book we talk about today, his latest, How to Be Free from the Fear of Death. And Ray, what a delight to have you back on the program. Great to be on the program, Craig. Uh, thanks very much for having me. Let's talk about first why so many people seem to, to struggle with this. I think certainly one of the, shall we say, side effects of COVID has been that more and more people are, are confronting, particularly at early ages, um, our own mortality and just how fragile life can be. And yet, I talk to Christians sometimes that either run the gamut of either being ambivalent on the topic, or while they kind of put forward a good front, so to speak, in terms of their sense of, of confidence in their in their eternal destiny, every once in a while, somebody will sort of sheepishly admit that these are matters that keep them up at night, even though they know what Scripture has to say. Why, why do you think there's that dichotomy? Boy, that's well, that's well put, Craig. You know, all of us have a, a, a will to live, and the negative way to put that is a fear of death. Anyone in his right mind doesn't want to die. People actually take their lives up in their right mind. I find, I'll just back up a little and, and share how I talk to non-Christians. Um, I regularly go out on, on an electric bike with my dog wearing sunglasses. <clears throat> my dog wears sunglasses, and so do I, and it gets people's attention. Go to a college twice uh, a day, and talk to students. And uh, I said, you want to talk about the afterlife? I said, come on camera. Our YouTube channel's just passing 200 million views, and that's greatly encouraging. And the, the thing we talk about is the fear of death and what happens after we die. Very interesting subject that nobody talks about. It's the ultimate elephant in the room that's stomping on all of us. So I talk about it. And the first question I often ask people is, are you fearful of dying? And some people immediately say, oh yes and you can see relief you know, because they haven't told mum and dad haven't told boyfriend girlfriend brother sister it's just a secret haunting and the bible speaks of it in hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 and 15 it says every human being is haunted by the fear of death all their lifetime until we come to christ that gives us power over death and it gives us the ability to fight it but if i may just keep talking if that's okay you just go for a walk if you want or button if i'm going on too long but I ask people, do you know what death is according to the Bible? And they say, no. I say, it's wages. And they say, what do you mean wages? Well, God is paying you in death for your sins. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Like a criminal in the court of law is given the death sentence by a judge. He says, you've earned this. You murdered three young people. This is your wages. This is what's due to you. This is what we're paying you. And sin is so serious in the eyes of a holy God, is given every single one of us the death sentence, the soul that sins that shall die, the wages of sin is death. 
And so that usually sobers people to, to listen to the gospel, because the second part of that verse is, but the gift of God is eternal life from Jesus Christ our Lord. So this is a tool that you and I can use to speak to the ungodly. All we do is let them know that the Bible tells us the Old Testament God destroyed, or promised to destroy death. The New Testament tells us how he did it through the gospel. And, you know, Scripture is very clear that uh, in addition to this being wages, of which you are absolutely bang on, it's also an appointment. I think sometimes people forget about the fact that this is an appointment that well, doesn't necessarily have a specific date on the calendar, and yet it's an appointment that, if Christ uh, tarry, each and every one of us will eventually be forced to keep and an appointment into a transition. And maybe we can spend some time talking about that, because oftentimes, uh, particularly from an atheistic standpoint, there seems to be sort of the, well, you know, when life is over with, that's it. You you, you came out of nothing, you will end as nothing, or, you know, Scripture might say, you know, back to the dust or dirt, we shall return. But folks will, will sometimes be inclined, if they're approaching this from a, a uniquely uh, God-absent perspective just simply say this as well you know there was a period of time where you didn't exist and then you did and then a time will come when you will no longer exist it's as simple as that is that maybe a simplistic way of sort of dismissing the reality of death for people that maybe find it so fearful that they come up with ways to kind of discount it certainly and i just get excited when i meet an atheist because i can make a max light in 30 seconds by asking him one thought-provoking question i just say if you're an atheist yep do you really believe the scientific impossibility that nothing created everything? <laughs> and the mouth goes like a little road tunnel for a minute, and they go, well, well, I don't, I don't, I don't believe nothing created everything. That's just some, I, I believe something did, it just wasn't God. So I so, say, well, you're not an atheist. You believe something created everything, it just wasn't the God of the Bible. Let's see if we can find out why you don't want it to be God. And I probably let him find out he's living with his gorgeous girlfriend, having sex with her, and he's looking at pornography regularly. So the issue isn't intellectual, it's moral. But, you know, this fear of death is in every one of us. It's in the atheist, it's in the agnostic, it's in the believer. Everybody has this, oh, I don't want to die, and we can tap into it. Think of a waitress. She's standing in a, in a restaurant, she looks over and three very important businessmen have come in, three-piece suits, little important-looking suitcases. They sit down, open the cases, and they're wheeling and dealing millions of dollars, obviously. Is she intimidated? No, no, she just walks up and says, can I take your order? Why is she so bold? Well, she knows she has what they want. They are there to eat, and that knowledge makes her bold. And you and I have got what this world wants. We have the answer to death. We have the answer to the fear of death. And that knowledge, the world wants to live above all other things. God has placed eternity on their hearts and they're crying, oh, I don't want to die. It doesn't matter who they are. They've got that. The Bible tells us that. So we can tap into that. And just by saying to someone, did you know the Old Testament prom God promised to destroy death? The New Testament tells us how he did it. That can stir curiosity in people to say, well, what did he do? And that's when the gospel comes out, and we can shoot out, and we can share that Jesus Christ has, past tense, abolished death and brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. Yeah. Craig, you mentioned before about Christians fearful of death. Can I just address that for a moment? Please. Yeah, it, it, it's quite natural to be fearful of death. However, the difference between the Christian and the non-Christian is like the difference between a man who has a parachute on and a man who doesn't have a parachute on. Both are standing on the edge of a plane at night, 10,000 foot drop. The uh, man without the parachute is utterly terrified. The man with a parachute is scared, but he can, he can control his fears. His fear will be in direct relation to the amount of faith he has in that parachute. If he totally trusts the parachute, no fear. If he sort of trusts the parachute, he's going to have fear. Again, his faith will determine the amount of fear in his heart. So I'm 52. I might not finish this interview. I could just pass, pass away. And my fear will be in direct relation to how much faith I have in the Savior. I put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I trust him with all my heart. And I can say, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. That's a choice. And so you cultivate your faith in Jesus, and that dissipates that fear. But it's natural to fear jumping out of a plane at night, 10,000 feet. You control that fear, and it's natural to be fearful of dying. But you can control the fear by the amount of, YouTube, the amount of faith you choose to have in Christ. 
And, you know, a, a beautiful aspect of all of this that I think everybody needs to, to think about, and we'll dive into this a bit deeper when we come back after a brief time out. Death is the ultimate equalizer. And by that, I mean, no matter how rich you are, no matter how power, powerful you are, no matter how well connected you are, no matter how well educated you are, ultimately, we all face it. And we face it not on our terms, but on God's terms. And so death being the ultimate equalizer means we're all kind of essentially in the same boat. And if that be the case, then the insights that we can offer from a biblical perspective to the person that is struggling with their own mortality and what this means and fearful of it, and, and rightfully so. I mean, it's not only fear of the unknown, but for those that may be around the periphery have been at least somewhat exposed to the gospel, uh, may even contemplate, gee, I've lived a lifetime of, of not thinking much of God at all. Maybe I didn't think he existed at all. What if it turns out that he does? what does he do with me? If I've done nothing with him, then what ultimately is he going to do with me? What will my ultimate destiny be if there is indeed life after death? We'll talk about this. Our conversation today with best-selling author Ray Comfort. My goodness, he has written more books than certainly most of the guests that ever come on this show down through the years. And his latest, newly released by Broad Street Publishing, is called How to Be Free from the Fear of Death. Well, you talk about an ideal period in time when this conversation it takes place so often, and if it's not taking place openly, it's at least taking place inwardly in the wake of things like what we witnessed going on in the Ukraine or with the impact of COVID. What a unique time for us to be sharing the good news that Christ has for us, victory over sin and the grave. More on that as our conversation with best-selling author Ray Comfort continues on this edition of Lifeline. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 